0: From the Psalms, the earth is Yahweh's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to God. For God laid the earth's foundations on the seas and built it on ocean depths. Who may climb to the mountain of Yahweh? Who may stand in God's holy presence? Those whose hands and hearts are pure, who don't worship idols and don't tell lies. They'll receive Yahweh's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors and let the king of glory enter. Who's the king of glory? Yahweh, strong and mighty. Yahweh, invincible in battle. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors and let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? Yahweh of heaven's armies. God is the king of glory. Glory is a significant theme in God's story a word we find nearly 300 times through the bible and the main hope paul has for the church in rome see we've come to the end the last 3 verses of romans and paul says to the only wise god through jesus the messiah be glory to the coming ages amen glory conjures images like sinking a buzzer beating three pointer driving through the defensive line and getting the football into the end zone Swishing the racket and watching the player across the net reach, but not quite reach, the tennis ball in the stadium erupts. The player is hoisted on the shoulders of the team. The plastic wrap locker room is soaked in champagne. But the question today is, what does it mean to live our lives and to be a church for the glory of God? Now, one piece is similar to those athletic images, certainly. Glory is credit. It's recognition. It's focused attention on the one who made it happen. We hear examples of this in Scripture, like first Chronicles sixteen, twenty eight to twenty nine. O nations of the world, recognize Yahweh. Recognize that Yahweh is glorious and strong. Give to Yahweh the glory they deserve. Bring your offering and come into their presence. God deserves glory. And also, misconceptions of God as egocentric and needing to always be glorified have sort of seeped into the way the word gets used. And it leads us to naturally wonder if what it means to live for the glory of God is akin to being members of a royal court, accessories who are called upon to say, Yes, God, you're glorified, all day long. But think back to the psalm I just shared with you that the earth is Yahweh's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to God. Our whole lives are lived in God's presence. Our living room, our kitchen, our desks, our cars. They're part of the royal court. Now, this is also a reason it's so important that we tell the stories of what God's done. They're the stories that help us see God not as a hotshot star of a team with a big head, but as the generous, powerful, wise God they are. Last year, our older son, Riley, signed up for his first soccer season in the faith-based league that has its roots in the same one that I grew up in, from the church I grew up in. And so we were playing on these soccer fields in the corner of a church campus. Soccer fields I remember giving a little bit of my money to as a kid, but soccer fields that the adults especially gave a lot of money to because they cared a lot about kids coming to know they were loved by God. And I told Riley the story of the fields, of the idea, of the prayerful community considering it, of the generosity of, It was incredibly formative to his faith to be in a place where people who were practicing trusting God had followed up and responded in that way. And he would sometimes tell other kids in the league how he knew about the fields and how people had helped give to make them because they wanted kids to know they were loved by God. And he was so proud to know that origin story. Similarly, I think about about five years ago when my dad had had a major injury and was in the hospital. And people would ask how he was doing. And the reality was that we were hoping that God would be active in his care and his healing. And the way that was happening was through amazing doctors and ICU nurses and caregivers. It was a neurosurgeon in the middle of the night who saved him. And the risk is that God doesn't get credit for the people that God has made Creative and smart and given talents and caring dispositions too. But in the midst of both the soccer fields and the hospital stays, God gets glory. See, to live for the glory of God is to become people who notice. Who notice the ways God is at work in regular people. And then who are able to give God credit for the participation that God has with those people. To live for the glory of God is to become the people who tell the stories of the things that God has done. Now also, glory flows multidirectionally. God gives us glory. It's not just us giving glory to God. God shares their glory with humanity. Consider Psalm 8, which says that when I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set into place, what are mere mortals? You should think about them. Human beings, you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. The flocks, the herds, all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish of the sea, everything that swims in the ocean currents. God offers their glory not only to humanity overall, but even to individuals. Psalm 3.3, 3, you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who lifts my head high. And so not only is to live for the glory of God about becoming people who notice and tell the story, but also to live for the glory of God is about becoming who we are. We become people who recognize our identity as honored by God, who recognize our task as caretakers of the world because God has shared their glory with us. We often talk in our own community about the core value we have of authenticity, that we would bring our regular imperfect selves to God because God would help us become who we were made to be. And as we do, we are more aware of the glory God has chosen to share with us, and we are more able to recognize God's glory in our lives. And then there is this third and final layer to the word glory, and it's the connection to God's presence. Where God is, that is a place of glory. Exodus twenty-four, sixteen to 17 the glory of Yahweh settled on Mount Sinai. A cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, Yahweh called to Moses from inside the cloud. To the Israelites at the foot of the mountain, the glory of Yahweh appeared at the summit like a consuming fire. Luke 2, 9, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among the shepherds, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Glory to God in highest heaven. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Where God's presence is, it is a place of glory. And the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Therefore, any place can be a place of glory. And we who live in this world, Have been given glory by God, which means anything we do might be a place where we experience God's pleasure, presence, and glory. Now, when we were together live, we simply considered the question when have you experienced the pleasure of God? And as we shared stories as a community, what bubbled up among us was the sense what would it mean for more people to have these kinds of moments of noticing the pleasure of God? Because isn't it true that as we notice God's pleasure and God's presence, we are experiencing God's glory? We are becoming Pavona Valley Church for the glory of God, meaning whatever we do, it's so God's presence might be known. That's what it means to say we're a church for the glory of God. It's what it means to live our lives for the glory of God. We live in such a way that our life shines. Paul closes his letter to the house churches of Rome by saying, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel, the proclamation of Jesus the Messiah, in accordance with the unveiling of the mystery kept hidden for long ages, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings, according to the command of the eternal God, for the obedience of faith to all the nations, to the only wise God through Jesus the Messiah, to whom be glory to the coming ages. Amen. May we be strengthened according to the gospel. Jesus is Lord. May we have confidence in the grand story of our promise-keeping God, despite all human attempts to thwart the mission. May we live for the glory of God. Amen.